0: Welcome inside the GLVC show, episode three, Colin Surrey and Will Connerly, your co-hosts. I am with McKendry and the Bearcats, Colin Surrey with you and Will Connerly of the Quincy Hawks. And we jump right into it, Will. What a crazy Monday of action that we had to recap before we hit all of the action to expect moving into the weekend ahead this week.
1: It was a good Monday. It was a surprising Monday as well for maybe some teams in the GLVC. And I'm really looking forward to breaking down what happened in the Great Lakes Valley Conference on what we can call Makeup Monday. Ten teams were in action because some games were postponed earlier in the year. But I'm glad they got to make them up because they were some pretty good games.
0: I uh, like that. Makeup Monday was kind to the Screaming Eagles. The ha- or the Screaming Eagles, excuse me, of Southern Indiana. 12-4. and 4 on the regular season for their overall record 7 and 3 in the GLVC and they've ripped off 5 in a row in conference now. They took down Lindenwood 70 to 56 the Lions dropped to 9 and 11 overall 5 and 7 in conference. Both teams shoot 39% from the field in this one, but it is again those screaming Eagles what they do defensively, what they do on the glass Plus 17 in the rebounding category, 49 to 32 as they dominate the Lions in route two. Another impressive victory on the road, no less, at Lindenwood.
1: And now their road record 8 and 1. I think this team is on a roll. I think the proof is in the pudding right there. And when you hold a team to 56 points, I mean, that is all about the defensive effort that they had. And, Colin, what did you say they were plus on the glass? 17. And 19 boards came from Pilakovic That Talk about being on the glass against – there's some pretty good rebounders on Lindenwood's squad down low. I know Kevin Caldwell Jr. grabbed nine. They got Burrell. They got Suggs, who also had nine. But Polakowicz was jumping all of, over all of them with another double-double and 19 rebounds. I mean, he's a big part of that plus 17, and he's really one of the best forwards in the league. It's been really nice to see how much success he's had, and he's warranted a lot of conversation from us uh, so far on the show.
0: Yeah, definitely. Just shy of 11 rebounds per game. He is 10th in the entire country he leads the GLVC at 10.7 rebounds per game. And he got some great efforts from a couple of his teammates. Jelani Simmons has started to really find his game, 17 points from him, four steals from Simmons. He's got 21 steals over his last 10 games, and he's gone in double figures now in seven of his last nine. So this is kind of the Jelani Simmons that we've come accustomed to from last year, the junior from Columbus, Ohio, finding his footing. And then it's the sophomore from Brooklyn, New York. Tyler Henry has really stepped his game up as of late. He came away with 18 points. He went four for seven from downtown, and he's been a huge lift on the offensive end lately for the Screaming Eagles. He started off slow from beyond the arc, but he showed signs of being a great shooter last year at 42% from beyond the arc, He's still only at 33% this year, despite going 9 of 16 in his last three games. So look out. Tyler Henry's heating up on the offensive end. We talked about him coming away with a career-high five steals the game previous. So you just start to talk about some of these names, the way these guys are playing for USI. This team is one of the best in the entire country right now, the way that they're playing basketball.
1: No, they really are. They do it on the road. They they play defense so well. They defend the floor the best in the league. They defend the three-point line the best in the league. They allow less than 65 points per game. And there's a lot to like about this team, not just this year, but moving forward. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen with that squad within the GOVC. That's a song for another time. But Tyler Henry, I'm with you right there. The way he's been playing, he's been scoring the basketball at a high High level for this team as of late, along with Jelani Simmons. I mean, Henry has 15 plus in his last three games and 15 plus also in four of his last five. He's just been able to score. He's about 12 points a night. Henry's about 12 points a night. We've talked so much about what Polakovic can do as well. I think this is a really good basketball team because of the fact that they are so long and lethal. The wings are so athletic. Athletic, and that's why you see those steals that lead to buckets for this squad.
0: Yeah, and it's leading to tremendous defense. They are first in the league with thirty nine percent for their opponents from the field, and their opponents are shooting just twenty nine percent from beyond the arc. Both of those marks again leading the GLVC as the Screaming Eagles and Southern Indiana take it seventy to fifty six over Lindenwood. The Screaming Eagles to twelve and four overall, seven and three. In GLBC play. And then we move on to the Quincy Hawks, who came away with a big victory over Maryville. Maryville has now dropped five straight as Quincy took it 85 to 77. It was an impressive second half performance from the Hawks in that one, Will.
1: It was a game that I got to witness firsthand. The Hawks pick up a victory and improve now to 4-9 and nine in the GLVC, but they complete the season sweep over Maryville, which was really nice to see for Quincy because Maryville shot the ball so well in the first half. They were just lights out. It was a Lewis Flyers-esque three-point shooting display. They went 9-for-12 in the first 20 minutes of the game from three-point range, but then Quincy held them to just 1-for-10 in the second half, and they only allowed 29 second-half points after surrendering 48 In the first half, that's how you erase an eight-point halftime deficit, despite the great effort that Maryville got individually from a guy like Daniel Ferris and Dylan Ingram. But they were limited, Colin, in this game. They only really had a seven-man rotation going on Monday night, and I think that's why in the second half you got to see Quincy kind of uh, take the lead late on a Jalen Stamps three and then hold on to the lead for the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, and I know Jalen Stamps was one of those guys that provided that big lift off the bench that you're talking about was a major advantage for Quincy in this one. But I want to talk a little bit about Paul Zalinskis here because he has really turned into one of those reliable go-to guys in conference play. Now, it's one thing when you're playing competition in non-conference play and and who can you turn to and find those points, but when you have to go up against defenses, that are some of the best in the entire region, night in and night out, Paul Zelenskis has proven that he can answer the task on the offensive end. And while this is a super talented offensive team, sometimes you're kind of wondering, where is it going to come from? Well, Paul Zelenskis has been the name that we've been calling more often than not, it seems like, on the offensive end of the floor for Quincy.
1: And more often than not, when you give him those five to ten shots or five plus shots, he's gonna be able to execute for you at a pretty high level. He's efficient with the way he can score. William Jewell, eighteen points on eleven shots. You you go back to Missouri ST, fifteen points, twelve shots. He scored 22 points on 13 shots against U Indy and then 23 points on just 11 shots against Maryville. It was the second time this season that he scored 23 points, both coming against Maryville, and he's averaging about a dozen points per game, but it was his second 20-plus point game in the last three, so he's done a really good job of scoring, and I really like the way he can play because he is a really good three-point shooter. He's attacking downhill as well. He's effective at the line and he is a guy that really has provided this offense with a lot of answers. When they search for a basket in games this year, they go to Paul Zelenskis and he's risen to the occasion. That certainly was the case on Monday night.
0: Yeah, Quincy shoots 21 of 24 from the charity stripe. at 88 percent from the free throw line and they do a great job. Again, the bench outscoring Maryville 24 to two in that one and Jamari Coakley, you know, so impressive again with those twenty points. That is that is a guy that you have him, you know, chipping in as another weapon on this Quincy team and you talk about getting that big win over U Indy as one of those signature wins for this team. If Jamari Coakley can can be that presence, I think you can expect some big wins like that U Indy game and, you know, a big win against Maryville as well. In the future, if if you can get that effort from Coquit.
1: Yeah, Coakley's a guy who can score the basketball, but we haven't seen a ton of it this year. It was his best offensive output of the season last game, twenty points, seven rebounds, three assists and two steals. And he's a second year Hawk coming from the junior college level where he did have to take a year off before he even played at Quincy. He's a dangerous player. We talked about Zelenskis, but when you can get 24 bench points, Colin, in the second half alone, that certainly is great after not having any bench points in the first half so it was a great effort for Quincy despite Maryville leading most of the game I really like to play the efficiency of Jalen Stamps he provided great energy for this team down the stretch and I want to give a lot of credit to Maryville because they shot the ball so well to start the game but Quincy kind of just shifted what they did Maryville wasn't hitting shots in the second half and Quincy's able to get a win on home but now they've got a three-game road stretch coming up so good win on Monday night for Quincy
0: yeah, the Hawks do protect Pepsi Arena with an 85 to 77 win over Maryville Quincy to 11 and 12 overall, four and nine in conference play. The Saints nine and 10 overall, three and eight in GLVC play. They've dropped five in a row now, and then we move on to Southwest Baptist taking care of business against Drury at home, and the Bearcats have now won two games in a row. Drury has been playing some better basketball. Of late, but good for Southwest Baptist. I think you see RJ Crawford lead them with those 18 points and three rebounds. You kind of know what you're going to get with Mitch Gannot night in and night out. The way that he's going to control the pace, be that ball handler that can kind of you know quarterback the game for you. But RJ Crawford was a huge plus in this one for
1: Southwest Baptist. And he took care of the basketball. It was his second game this season without committing a turnover. After he had 16 turnovers in the last six games before that, he played 33 minutes, and now he's played 30-plus in seven of the last eight games for this team. He only had one 30-plus-minute performance in the first 10 games of the season. He's starting to play more now. He's starting to score more now. And that's another weapon that can be dangerous, proved on Monday night in our R.J. Crawford, certainly great to see what he did with 18 points, just one shy of matching his season high of 19.
0: So Southwest Baptist is now 14-4 and four overall in the season. They're 8-3 and three in GLVC play. Those eight wins are the most in the conference. I know Lewis has only one loss, and they've played less games than a lot of other teams. But, you know, this is a Southwest Baptist team that they haven't played in the number of, like, really huge games, maybe you you would say as some of these other teams have played it, you know, it feels like Truman State has just played in like huge game after huge game here lately. But the, the Bearcats are taking care of business right now. And when you look at what they can do just efficiency wise on both ends of the floor, the way they win the rebounding battle, there are a lot of things to like about this Southwest Baptist team and you start looking at, like, hey, where do we want to break down this this SBU team? Where can we attack them? It's kind of hard to find an angle where you want to go after this SBU team, and that's a great credit to what they've
1: built. And I think the way you attack them, the only time they've shown that they've been vulnerable this season is when teams have stopped them in transition, but that wasn't the case against Drury. They outscored them 19 to 20 19 to nothing rather in the fast break 20 to 7 advantage in points off turnovers and a huge advantage in points in the paint and the points in the paint certainly come from that fast break getting those high quality high efficiency shots and getting those layups in transition and that's this is an SBU team that is not afraid to run the floor so you really have to be ready for what they're going to be able to do and it was impressive to see how they they were running the floor, getting those good looks, and being able to stop a guy like Obi Okafor. yet 15 points in 27 minutes, but four fouls. So they were able to attack one of Drury's strengths, which is what SBU is so good at doing because of their ability to get on the glass as a team. But when they can knock down the three-point shot, and that's certainly something that R.J. Crawford has done as of late, which has propelled his game to the next level, they're an extremely dangerous team, as you mentioned, with having eight GLVC wins. every single night is tough to have eight wins is certainly impressive
0: so that makes it two in a row for southwest baptist 70 to 61 they get it done on their home floor against drury the panthers fall to five and ten overall two and five in conference and southwest baptist again 14 and four overall and eight and three in glvc play and then we move on to a team that is playing some excellent basketball. You can't necessarily say that they're playing the best basketball in the conference right now with what you're watching Lewis and USI do right now. But Rockhurst takes down Illinois Springfield, and I know the Prairie Stars have been struggling right now, but 73-64, to 64, another big win for Rockhurst. And Jake Auer drops 19 points, comes away with a couple of steals to go along with six rebounds. He shoots 5 of 11 from the floor, and the big thing for Jake Hour knocking down those three-pointers, 4 of 8 from downtown. You know what's coming, and you still can't stop it. Jake Auer leading Rockhurst to what is now their fourth win in their last six games.
1: Rockhurst is playing well, and... They have different guys step up for them and play at a high level. The last couple games, it has been Jake Auer, and 19 points is impressive. But let's take a deeper look at what he's been able to do he just played in eight games last season and had five starts, averaged just, you know, eight and a half points per game. This year, 14 plus points per game. He's basically played every game for them. Leads the team with 64 made three pointers on 40% from beyond the arc, 161 three point attempts. On the season, I mean, that is very impressive. He gets the ball up from three-point range. Eight times this season, he has shot 10 or more three-pointers. He's 13th in the NCAA in three-point attempts. You certainly know he's going to get it up from range, and he has the ability to knock it down like we saw the last couple games from our who has been playing at a really high level as of late, back-to-back 19-plus point games for the Rockhurst guard.
0: Yeah, he's kind of been that guy that they've been able to rely on. And again, you talk about some of those numbers, you're not supposed to be able to shoot with that kind of efficiency when you are a volume guy like Jake Auer is. You know he is circled three, four times on the scouting report. You can't let this guy loose, and again, He continues to do so. But you talk about some different guys stepping up. Maxim Romanov with a huge game in this one. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, a block, and 3 steals for Romanov. He goes 6 for 10 from the floor, 2 for 2 from downtown. Again, continuing that great 3-point output from Rockhurst that Jake Auer kind of got started in this game. They go 9 for 21 as a team as well. And Romanov, another one of those guys, and you talk about, you know, the big games that we've seen from Nick Bowles and Rich Byrie of late, and all of a sudden, there are four guys that you can potentially get 20 points out of in any given game.
1: Oh my gosh, and Romanov, I mean, he has been playing well He's only played in seven games for Rockhurst this season. He really made his debut in the second semester. He's a guy who spent the last two seasons at Southern Louisiana, Rockhurst is 5-2 and two since Romanov started making appearances on the floor. His first game was against Drury on the 15th of January. They lost their first four conference games without him, and now they've gone 5-2 with him. He's provided to be an X-factor along with what Vols can do. He's improved every year in this league, having a great season with 15 points a game, seven rebounds a game, and 57% from the floor. But like you mentioned, they've got some guys who can be dangerous. They've gotten Some impressive wins as of late, and that's why this Rockhurst team is on a roll.
0: They certainly are on a roll for Illinois Springfield. It's been the opposite story, unfortunately. They brought Chase Robinson off the bench in this game, and he responded in kind. He dropped 20 points on nine of fifteen shooting from the floor, but it was not enough for the Prairie Stars in this one as Rockhurst takes it 73 to 64. They've won three straight games. Four out of their last six, and Rockhurst is up to five and six in conference play. They're one game away from getting back to 500 overall at 10 and 11. Illinois Springfield, meanwhile, now nine and 11 overall, four and eight in conference play. So impressive there from Rockhurst. And we move on to what was probably the most anticipated game of this Monday night and it's Lewis going on the road and taking down Truman State. We talked about, again, all of that success for the Bulldogs on their home floor over uh, these last couple of seasons, and Lewis goes into Kirksville, and, I mean, they put a number on Truman State in that game. This Lewis team is playing so, so good right now.
1: I mean, when you win six of your first seven GLVC games, that's great. You got a career-high effort from Connor Nego, 29 points in that win. He went 11 of 17 from the field, hit his three-pointers. Frerick stepped into four three-pointers as well. Lewis is dangerous, and when you can hold Truman State to 56 points, there's been some question marks looming around this Truman State offense, which has been ever-explosive the first part of this year. But the three losses of late have been the three lowest offensive outputs for Truman State this season. That's a credit to the Lewis Flyers' defense and Southern Indiana's defense of what they did to Truman. But this game was impressive. And how about Nego and the way the Lewis Flyers overall shut down Cade McKnight, the reigning GLVC Player of the Week, and of course the year from last year, to his lowest scoring game of the season with just 11 points?
0: You know, it was almost stunning. I watched that game almost wire to wire And when you look at at what Truman State has got going, you talk about some of those offensive struggles of late, it, it was almost perplexing how little we saw of a Dylan Peters in this game. Dylan Peters, only 14 minutes in this game for Truman State. Hunter Strait, who had been in the starting lineup, had been relegated to the bench recently, only 21 minutes for him. And he had kind of been you know, that point guard quarterbacking player of the offense. And, you know, when Mason Miller can't find the volume of shots, he still made three or four from downtown in this game. So a good game for Mason Miller, but he only gets five shots overall, scores nine points. So you kind of limit what he's able to do from a volume scoring perspective, get a huge night from Connor Nego. And there were a number of possessions for Lewis in this game where they almost just break the back of your morale as a team where they will work the ball and you play great defense for 25 seconds and they drive and kick to a semi-contested three and just knock it down and you feel like you've got nothing to show for. When you put all this hard work and effort in, this Lewis team is just, they feel almost impossible to beat right now.
1: They can shoot the three-pointer so well, like we've talked about. But I think why this Lewis team is dangerous, they have the shooters, but they have, again, another storyline we've mentioned, the depth. For example, Bruno Williams, we've talked a lot about his ability to score this year. I mean, he just went one for eight from the floor, and you're still able to beat Truman State. I think that's really impressive. But Truman now, they're one and three in their last four games. And in their losses, they're averaging just 63 points per game in those three losses, all three of which are their lowest scoring totals of the season. And after starting 4-0 and in GLBC play, Sherman is now 3-4 and since. How much concern is there for a Sherman State team right now, or is it that they've just run into the big bad Lewis Flyers and Southern Indiana in the same week? What do you think, Colin?
0: Well, you know, certainly that's that's a really tough schedule when you got to go go up against those two in the same week. But I, I am starting to notice a little bit of a trend for Truman State that that you didn't necessarily see in years past. And for the Bulldogs, it's the ability to create turnovers. I mean, you only force six turnovers against Lewis in this game, and. It's not that, you know, Truman State is playing sloppy basketball themselves. In fact, they take care of the basketball really well, barely into double-digit turnovers per game. They only had 11 themselves. But when you don't really get those extra possessions by forcing the turnovers, turning up that defensive heat, I think that's where you take away some of those baskets in transition for an Elijah Hayes camp. That really is when you see this team start to click Those are some of the things. Camp gets out and gets some good looks, trailing from the three-point line, getting to the bucket with a free run after a a live ball turnover, things like that. And right now that just hasn't quite been there for Truman. So we talk about some of those inconsistencies offensively. I think some higher effort defensively can help them find that. So we'll see moving ahead. But, you know, if I had to put it on a scale of 1 to 10 – I you know it's still under the 5 mark just with this team's track record with coach Horner and you have to believe in what they've been able to do over there at Truman State. I put it somewhere in the four range. Where are you at, Will?
1: I would be pretty similar. I'm not extremely concerned because I think that they're a team who actually is still trying to find their stride. We don't realize Cade McKnight missed about four games in protocol. I know he's been back for these losses But they're trying to be able to see a guy like you mentioned. They wanted to get, it seemed like in this game, I know you were watching wire to wire, after the great game that Hayes Camp had against McKendry, it felt like they wanted to get him maybe some more opportunities, and he just went two of ten from the floor. And then you got Eric Northweather who can score the basketball. Mason Miller we know he can shoot, and Cade McKnight didn't have his best game. I think that this Truman team has certainly the personnel to still win this league, but I think that when you go up against... I think probably the two top teams in this league in basically two of the last three games, that's really tough. So it's just interesting to see Truman State going on a little bit of tough times right now, but I know that their offense is certainly good when they share the basketball. That's what Mason Miller and Hunter Strait have done for this team. They've taken care of it. When they have 18 or more assists, they're nine and one, but they certainly haven't been doing that as of late, and that's why they've fallen on some tough times.
0: Yeah, tremendous point. I think that's a good one to end on with taking care of that basketball and sharing it as well for Truman State. That's what we'll look out for the Bulldogs in the future. The Lewis Flyers stay hot, take them down. They've won two in a row. They are six and one in the GLVC. That's good for the first in the East Division. Eight and five overall for Lewis. Truman State drops to thirteen and six, seven and four in conference. Again, a sixty-five to fifty-six win for Lewis at. Truman State. So Truman State, two losses at home in conference now. So that was the uh, little Monday slate that we had. And we'll get you updated on the games to come up on uh, Thursday and the rest of this weekend as we've had some schedule changes with obviously some of this weather in the Midwest region. But before we get there, we want to get to some of our power rankings so far in the conference. And we'll go ahead and give. Uh, just our top six here to to keep it at least somewhat focused, but uh I'll let you start will that way i I'm not the first one under the gun here.
1: All right, well, I got at <laughs> least for my top six, and I'll start with six. I've got the McKentry Bearcats. um they've been impressive to me this year. They're ten and five, six and five in league play. They did just come off a loss, but that was to the mentioned Truman state bulldog team. And they're just coming off a big winning streak. They've got a lot of confidence. And I know we may get into this later and just throughout the duration of this season. I think they have the GLVC player of the year on their team as well. I think it's dangerous. And that's why I've got McKendree at six.
0: So my number six team is the UMSL tritons. Now, You could certainly make the argument that Umsul should be higher in this list, and this is where you kind of get into the argument of, okay, well, is it the team that you think is the best, or is it the team that has proven it? And right now, Umsul hasn't quite proven it. They've struggled a little bit of late. They dropped that game against Rockhurst, who has been playing some excellent ball lately. But, you know, you just kind of expected the Tritons to be right up there at the very top of this league, and I think they can turn it around and get there. In no time, they're still thirteen and five overall, seven and four in conference play. but uh this is a team in Umsol. you know the fact that I have them at six, we could be queuing into this list next week for me, and Umsol could be right up there at three or two
1: yes i am with you on umsol, and uh, they're they're an extremely good basketball team for f- number five for me, I got Southwest Baptist. and overall, 8-3 and in league play. Picking up eight league victories is impressive. They've won two games in a row, and they're just an efficient offense that gets high-percentage shots, as we've seen all season long, and they're a team that lacks a big weakness, and that's why I think they're extremely dangerous. It's hard to make the Bearcats uncomfortable, and that's why I think they're the fifth best team in the league in terms of my personal power rankings right now.
0: Yeah, you look at some of the numbers that this Southwest Baptist team has posted as I have them ranked fifth on my list as well, and they are extremely impressive. But you, then you look at, at some of their games, and, I mean, they have they have blown some of these teams out that they played prior to GLVC play. And give them credit, they've taken care of business where they've needed to in conference play. They're 9-1 and one at home, 3-3 three and three on the road for Southwest Baptist. They do a bunch of really good things and I think, you know, if they had a couple more signature wins, we both would have the Southwest Baptist team up even higher on our list than number five.
1: I think their offense will give any defense in the league some problems, and that I—I I mean, they're just so good. And, and speaking of being really good, for, if we move along to number four, I've got the Umsul Tritons at number four. They're thirteen and five, seven and four in GLVC play, and and the reason why I have them at four in in the power rankings, I believe, going off of okay, what team do you think is who are the best teams? And I just think with the personnel that Umsul has with Marty Jackson and with the way that they can play and how good Yakima Rose is, I think it's just such a dangerous team, and that's why I have them in my top four.
0: Well, I'm going to make that same argument for my number four team, and that's the McKendree Bearcats. And I might get some arguments on social media with this one, and I welcome all of them at Colin PXP. Go ahead and tweet at me. I that it's the personnel for McKendree. You know, you were missing a second team all glvc or in Brendan Gooch at the beginning of this conference slate. You start off 1-4 in GLVC play, and now that you get Brendan Gooch back, you picked up wins against Truman State on the road against Southern Indiana. We've talked at-ends about how good that Southern Indiana team is is playing right now, and then you even go back to the non-conference and some games that McKendry has shown that they can play well even without Brendan Gooch, a big win against a Michigan Tech team that is one of the better teams in the GLIAC, and then a win against a Union team that is just outside of the top 25, has spent most of the year inside of the top 25, and then you add Brendan Gooch back into the mix and how well this McKendry team is playing right now, I think their ceiling is very high, and that's why I have them at number four.
1: I'm with you right there when you got like you mentioned I think you make a great point about Gooch and maybe not a lot of people realize that he's a really i mean, he was an all Great Lakes Valley Conference player a season ago he's a really good player to go along with who we both believe is probably the best player in the league in Boltman. so I, I'm with you McKentry, really good speaking of really good they've been really good for a really long time at number three for the power rankings I've got the Sherman State Bulldogs 13 and 6 7 and 4 in GLVC play we've kind of documented some of their struggles as of late. They've been letting on both ends of the floor, they've kind of dipped off, but they still have Kate McKnight on their team and Mason Miller, and they're just a lethal team. I mean, I'm not going to let these last four games where they've gone one and three define what I think about the ceiling of this squad, and that's why I have them at third in my power rankings.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, partner. I've got Truman State at number three as well. And I think when you pose the question, hey, what is the panic level for this Truman State team? I think where we put them on a scale of one to 10 with the panic level and then where we put them in our power rankings are reflective of of what we think. Neither of us are too panicked about this Truman State team. I mean, they've got too many bona fide names on that roster. The coaching staff is too good. And again, you got to remember some of the really difficult teams that this Truman State team has had to go through of late. I mean, it's just a matter of fact in this conference, you're going to go through some rough patches. Truman State's going through one right now, but they're still at number three in our power rankings.
1: Yes, moving along to number two, I've got the Lewis Flyers. Started the year slow, but they've just rattled off victory after victory. They've won six of their first seven league games. They've won two in a row. They're just on an absolute roll. We we know how well they can shoot the three-pointer, but they make you defend the whole core, and then like you kind of talked about, they'll break you down, and they can do that because they run their stuff with good efficiency. I'm pretty high on the Lewis Flyers, especially with the efforts that they've been getting recently from Connor Nego. He's a player who can really take over a game, and Lewis just from top to bottom, they play well as a team. They play for each other, and they're tough as nails. And I think a tough team is certainly tough to be in the Great Lakes Valley Conference, and that's why I have them at second in my power rankings.
0: I've got the Southern Indiana Screaming Eagles coming in at number two in my power rankings, Southern Indiana twelve and four overall, seven and three in the GLVC, and they have now rattled off five straight victories in conference play. That is the longest current streak in the conference. And you look at this USI team and the way that it is built, it's a team that you're not going to find It won't slump very easily. They get after it on the glass. They're a great rebounding team, and they play elite defense. Those are two things that you can count on night in and night out, and that's why I think this USI team is posed to make a deep run come NCAA tournament time, not even GLVC tournament time. This is a dangerous, dangerous USI squad.
1: I'm really high on this Southern Indiana team and that is a team I haven't mentioned yet so you guessed it yes I have the Southern Indiana Screaming Eagles at number one in my power rankings right now and there's a few reasons why not just that they've won five in a row and they're playing great basketball but the teams that they beat in the process yes is impressive but the way they have done it as well they've won game after game after game overall but they've done it on the road, too, being 8-1 and one on the road. And to be honest with you, Southern Indiana, I believe, is going to be the number one seed when we look at what the Great Lakes Valley Conference Tournament is going to bring. They're playing so well right now. They are so engaged on the defensive end. I mean, five guys are all defending and communicating together. That's why they're toward the top of the league, and not to mention the entire NCAA and opponents' field goal percentage. They make you take time. Tough shots. They're in your face. They're active, and like we mentioned, they got some of the most athletic players in the league, just from top to bottom. This Screaming Eagle team is really dangerous, and I don't see too many losses on their schedule moving forward. At seven and three in league play, I wouldn't be surprised if they continue this win streak all the way to the GLVC tournament.
0: They very well could. That is just how good that Southern Indiana team is. So that's Will's number one team. I've got the Lewis Flyers atop my board at number one. And the reason why I have Lewis at number one in my power rankings is just the wave of energy that they bring at you. I have not seen a team all year long at the Division II level that I have gotten to see that brings a relentless amount of energy at you the way that Lewis does on both ends of the floor. Again, a lot of those things that you talk about USI, why you love a team like the screaming Eagles, it's that defense for Lewis that you know is going to show up night in and night out. Now the flyers have gotten the benefit of some really good three point shooting of late. And that has really pushed them over the edge and made them an even more dangerous team. But the reason why I like Lewis for my number one pick, especially, is because of that man, Connor Nego, and just how multiple he is on the offensive end of the floor. He can spread you out. He's a big body. He can get on the glass. He can post you up. He can face you up in the mid range, knock down the three pointer off of off of a pick and roll, pick and pop action. You know, just a tremendous player, and he's emerged as a candidate. For GLVC player of the year. And it's always nice when you've got that guy that you know you can turn to and say, hey, I've got one of the best in the conference when I need a bucket, and Nego has been that for Lewis. So that is our power rankings. I'll go through my top six again real quick. Umsel at number six, Southwest Baptist at five, McKendry at four, Truman at three, USI at two, and Lewis at one. And for Will at number six, he's got McKendry SBU at five, Umsel at four. Number three, Truman State. Lewis at number two, and then USI and the Screaming Eagles at number one. So let's run through the standings real quick before we get into a quick preview of these games coming up for you, and we start things out here in the Central as Umsel and Truman State are tied atop that division at seven and four, 13 and five overall for UMSL, 13 and six overall for Truman State. Lindenwood is five and seven in GLVC play. Four and nine for Quincy, three and eight for Maryville in the east. It is Lewis leading the way at six and one, Southern Indiana at seven and three. Those two teams threatening to be some of the very best in this conference. UND at five and four, McKendree six and five, and then UIS, Illinois Springfield, that is, at four and eight. In the East and then in the west it's Southwest Baptist, eight and three william Jewell, six and six, rockhurst at five and six missouri s and t at five and seven, and Drury at two and five. so we get into some of the games now. We do have some games still left on Thursday now, some of them have been pushed into Friday, and some of them we don't know when they're going to be made up in the future, but let's go over the ones that we do have, and we start with Missouri s at Lindenwood. Your guy, Julian Smith, going to be back in action in this one.
1: I know there's good star power in this game. Julian Smith, like you mentioned, one of the better scorers in the Great Lakes Valley Conference, going to Lindenwood. And these are two teams that they're fighting, if it certainly were a traditional year, like a top eight, both of these teams would be really with a high sense of let's go get this one because they're both teams that are right on the cusp of that top eight. I know all 15 are making the conference tournament. And one note that I just want to add you mentioned those standings, they're still going by the point rating system this year, which does award road victories at a higher level and victories against, of course, better teams with better records as well as higher. And I think for ST, it's an opportunity here to go on the road against Lindenwood. I think both teams are kind of searching for a victory. I know Lindenwood has lost two in a row, and s is coming off a loss as well, but both teams are have five GLVC wins. They have the same record in league play, and honestly, they're pretty even when you look at both the star power with Julian Smith for S&T and Burrell for Lindenwood.
0: Yeah, and something to keep an eye on in that one is the availability of some of that star power for Lyndon Wood Caldwell Jr. has been in and out of the lineup at, of late. And Missouri S&T trying to get back on that really good train of basketball that they were playing early on in GLVC play. And then we move on to a real big-time matchup. Lewis and Truman State turn right around and will rematch one another, this time in Romeoville. As the Bulldogs will go on the road and try to get revenge, that's going to be a tall task against the Flyers team that we've talked about it playing some of the best basketball in this conference right now.
1: It is a tall task, but I also think it's a really tall task for Lewis. This was a good, like, if we go back to the game on Monday night, I know Lewis kind of did a number, like you mentioned, because they controlled most of the game, but Sherman cut it within a couple possessions toward midway through the second half. Lewis, though, turned around. Frerichs made a three pointer, then they kind of held on, fended off Lewis, kept him at, or fended off Sherman State, kept him at bay to the finish line. But it's going to be a battle, especially with Sherman State kind of the hunger that they have. How do they respond after not really playing extremely well on the offensive end? I think in this game, you look to see how Miller and Strait can facilitate the offense. Can Hayes camp step up and make shots? Do they shut down K. McKnight again? I think there's a lot to look at in this game. And can Sherman State, can they run Lewis off the three-point line? That's going to be the question in Romeoville. But another big-time mention, can Lewis – Lewis continue to really extend this narrative of running the table in the Great Lakes Valley conference, or does Truman kind of stop some of those question marks there? Either way, you've got two of the premier teams in the league facing off on Thursday night. And I think it's going to be a great matchup. Yeah,
0: Lewis, just one loss in conference play. Everyone else has at least three. And interesting point that you bring up with the response that we see from Truman State in this one. They responded in a big way when McKendry came to town. Now they'll have to do it on the road against Lewis. We look forward to that one. It's going to be a big one. And again, these games are all 7.30 p.m. Central Time. So Missouri S&T at Lindenwood at 7.30, as is Truman State at Lewis. That is Central Time. And then we move on to Drury at UMSL. And these Tritons, you know, you drop one, against Rockhurst, which was a stunner for all of us. And that's no offense to Rockhurst because they've been playing great basketball, but it's really a testament to just the expectations that we had put on Umsel coming into this year. How do they find that level of play? And you know, I think again, another team where there's no panic here because we are reaching that point in the season where you do start to see those teams that have the experience, that have been there, that have done it before. Like an Umsel they start to turn it on and flip that switch because they do have the, the uh, luxury of falling back on those experiences from times past.
1: I absolutely agree, and I think for Umsol, they're a team that I'm still really high on. And when you say at Umsol?" I think that is a tough thing because you look back a couple years ago they were 16 and 0 at home in the 1920 season. I mean that like and they've got a lot of guys back from that team. It's an extremely difficult place to play. I think probably one of the hardest places to play in the entire GLVC. They're 5 and 1 at home this season. And what I think Umsol has that is just so impressive is that their defense is so good has shown sometimes to struggle on the offensive end this year with how active Webb and Yakima Rose are and with the way Marty Jackson can score with anybody in the league. I do think it's going to be a good matchup with Okafor and Jackson down low, but really I'm just I'm just really high on this upsell team. I honestly think they're going to be a team still competing to win this league and win the GLVC tournament because their defense is so good. Yeah, they have four league losses. Two of them come at close margins to Truman State, another one-point loss to Rod. And then another loss to Illinois Springfield when they just shot the lights out. I just I, I just think it's tough to beat this Humpsell team and certainly tough to beat them at home. And I'm really excited to see how they can continue to play after picking up a 10-point victory on the road at William Jewell last Saturday, but also see how Drury can continue to play on the road moving along after picking up a victory as well against Missouri S&T. It should be a good one. But again, I'm excited to see Humpsell and how they can play and see if they can't uh, maybe T- take over truman atop the central division
0: yeah and, and dare i say a team in Umsol that we're almost sleeping on it kind of feels like right now something that seemed like before the season there's no way that could have possibly happened but that's how deep this league has been which you know no surprise so maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that Umsel finds themselves at that point in this point in the season you know a lot can change As we go along, and we move along to Quincy and the Hawks going to Illinois Springfield. And again, it's the Prairie Stars still trying to find their footing. It's been a tough go of it. Chase Robinson had that big day off the bench the last time out. But for the Prairie Stars, it's just been trouble trying to find that consistent offensive spark. Now, Quincy. We know what they bring on the offensive end, and it's one of the best offensive games in the entire conference. Now the defensive side is where Quincy gives up a little bit, so maybe this is an opportunity for the Prairie Stars to really get into one and see if they can't you know, find their rhythm a little bit more from games past.
1: Yeah, Quincy, their offense has been great. They take care of the basketball well, but they've been susceptible to letting certain players go Off against them. That's what Chase Robinson did to them last year. Had a career best 30 points at the time against Quincy. And it was the season opener last year. He dropped 31 earlier this year against Maryville. Chase Robinson's a good scorer. He responded after just playing well off the bench last game. And these are two teams that they're trying to build some momentum as we approach the season's end. Can Quincy pick up its second consecutive victory? I think if they do, the effort has to come on the other end of the floor, and they want to continue to look for guys like Jamari Coakley and Paul Zelenskis and Jalen Stamps to play well for this team. They want to hit their stride at the end of the year because, like you mentioned, Quincy can be a dangerous team because of the way that they play offensively. You can talk about them in the top half of the league you can't say the same about the other end of the floor but can they pick up the slack can they do it against a struggling Springfield team right now as well on the offensive end can they not let Springfield get loose in this one because of the fact that they've struggled so much as of late Quincy has to keep that up on the defensive end if they want to pick up a victory on the road always a tough thing to do in the GLVC
0: so again our four games slated for Thursday at 730 central time Again, this is, to our knowledge, as of right now, as we release this information, it is Missouri S&T at Lindenwood, Truman State at Lewis, Drury at Umsel, and then Quincy at Illinois Springfield on Thursday at 7.30 Central Time. And then we move over to Friday, as we've had a couple of games shoveled one day over. And again, we'll see how these games hold up, as William Jules expected to go on the road at UND, and we've talked a lot about this UND team and kind of where the expectations are for them coming into this season. And and it's another one of those teams, you look at the roster, you look at the names, you know this is a bona fide, really, really good, really good team. And William Jewell has proven to be a lot better than I think a lot of teams or a lot of people expected just in general, around college basketball, they were up to 6-4 and four in GLVC play before dropping two games this last week. So it won't be easy for UND to pick up this win, but they will be aided by the fact they're on their home floor trying to go two games over five hundred in conference play.
1: Yes, I think that Indianapolis, I know that they've been led by Corey Miller Jr. We've talked about him a lot. And with them playing at home, it's an opportunity for Indianapolis to pick up their second consecutive glvc victory they're eight and four at home this year and going up against a jewel team that is so improved this year it will be a tough task and i also think it's just going to be a pretty good matchup because again both teams are trying to see hey can we get into the conversation in this one that is projected for friday moved because of some of the snow that is surrounding this midwest a big snowstorm colin i was shoveling all morning as a uh, fan's fans listening to this on uh probably Thursday, getting ready for the games tomorrow. But yeah, it, it's treacherous out there.
0: I'm right there with you. I got out there shoveling, and all of my work is has been for naught because it's all snowy again. So I'll be right back out there doing the same, and they'll be doing the same out at UIndy, where William Jewell will travel to again on Friday, and then Rockhurst on Friday, going to Southern Indiana. So Rockhurst, winners of four of their last six. Southern Indiana winners of their last five set to take on each other. And you know, this is all of a sudden a really intriguing matchup with the way that Rockhurst is playing.
1: No, it really is. I mean, Rockhurst is playing really well, and Southern Indiana has ripped off five in a row. I think this is a measuring stick type of game for Rockhurst. Okay, you have done really well recently. You got some big home victories, but how can... Our and Vols and what they've got emerging from the forward position and other contributors go on the road to Southern Indiana. While the Screaming Eagles have been great on the road this season, they return home where they've been a little more vulnerable. And I think that it's going to be a good opportunity for Southern Indiana to continue momentum, but the same thing to be said for Rockhurst. And you're right, all of a sudden this becomes a big matchup between these two teams the way they've been playing as of late.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Those two are going to have a big time showdown there. Southern Indiana hosting Rockhurst on Friday, and then William Jewell headed to Uindy to take on the Greyhounds on Friday. And then we'll touch on some of these Saturday games before we wrap things up here. We've got Truman State at Uindy. I mean, this schedule for Truman State has truly been unbelievable of late. You go at Umsel, at Lindenwood, versus uh, Southern Indiana, versus McKendree, versus Lewis, at Lewis, and then at UND for Truman State to round out this week of basketball. They'll look to finish it strong.
1: It will be a great opportunity for Indianapolis to play in Nickison Hall against the Truman State Bulldog team. And I think the thing is about Truman State – They are so good, and that's why they get every team's best effort every night. If you walk into the gym not ready to play Truman State, you're going to get it taken to you. And I think that teams just have a higher sense of being alert when you go up against the Bulldog team, and I'm excited to see if Indianapolis can do that on Saturday.
0: And then we've got Quincy traveling to the Chicagoland area where Lewis will host the Hawks. And again, Lewis playing tremendous basketball, and this could be a a high-scoring, entertaining affair.
1: It could be, and I think that for Quincy, they have an opportunity in this game to see, okay, what do they do on Thursday against Springfield? Can they pick up some momentum to go play the Lewis Flyers who are playing like one of the best teams across the country right now i think lewis has just been so good at home they've been just so good in general and they play really well in conference play they've really picked it up and can they continue to race to the finish line in glvc action i think quincy is going to provide a challenge lewis will have to defend the hawks but we'll see what the hawks can do on the other end of the floor and see if connor nigo can't continue to make shots
0: and then william Jewell will go on the road to potentially take on Southern Indiana to play two games in two days for both of those teams. So that might be a war of attrition between the Cardinals and the Screaming Eagles in that one.
1: And you're obviously playing at a great facility, Screaming Eagles Arena, like we've mentioned. But I think that Southern Indiana, when you ask a team to bounce back, Southern Indiana can do it because of how much energy and how much strength they have. They're going to have more size than William Jewell, but William Jewell can be sneaky if they can hit three-pointers. And I'm going to be intrigued to see if they're going to be able to do that against a suffocating defense in Southern Indiana on the road. They've made things challenging for even some of the best offensive teams in the league this year. That's why they're in the conversation, like we said, nationally. And that's going to be a good GLVC matchup on Saturday in Evansville.
0: And then it will be Drury headed on the road to Lindenwood. The Lions not too far removed from playing some really, really good basketball. And Drury has shown some signs on the inside. They had that block parade, picking up a win not too long ago in conference play for just their second conference win, and then they'll look to pick up their Potential third or fourth, maybe, depending on those games on Thursday against Lindenwood on Saturday.
1: Yes, that's going to be a really good matchup in that game. I think that Lindenwood's going to try to get things going early with Burrell and Ross and Caldwell Jr. How do they respond with playing with a little bit of a limited roster as of late? And for Jury, I think we just still have question marks because... They haven't played as many games as a lot of other teams in this league. You don't really know what they can fully bring to the table, but I think it's going to be a good matchup inside as well. Burrell, Suggs down low against Okafor. I'm, I'm excited to see, but I definitely like the way that Lindenwood can play. And like you said, they're just coming off a stretch where they've shown they can knock down some top teams in this league.
0: Well, we know the Missouri S&T brings Julian Smith, Conference Player of the Year candidate, to the table. His minors will go on the road to take on Maryville in the Saints on Saturday. And Ari Jackson is the guy that you look out for for Maryville, but they've got a nice, balanced approach going on there. And they're a tough team to take on on their home floor.
1: They are, but they're a team that started really well. It was one of their best starts in recent memory, going off and just picking up a handful of victories to start the year. But then they've fallen on some tough times. They've lost five in a row, and they haven't been playing at an extremely high level as of late. Maryville hasn't. But you're right. They do have Ari Jackson, who is just a very good player. He can can score the basketball, but they've got some other guys who can make things challenging. And for Missouri S&T, who likes to play on the perimeter, a lot and then Julian smith getting inside daniel ferris is a guy who really gets inside along with ingram down low for maryville so i think it's going to be interesting to see can maryville stay in front of Julian smith and the rest of that young freshman starting lineup for missouri snc who has been brought into the conversation because of the fact that they're just so athletic they can knock down the three but can they win on the road against maryville will be the question on saturday
0: And then we stay in the three one four in the St. Louis area for a big-time matchup against number one in the West Southwest Baptist and number one in the Central UMSL. I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be a big-time matchup. There will be a lot of stars out there on the floor, but it's stars that play unselfishly, and I think that's why you're going to get treated to some great basketball in this game and potentially one of the best that we'll see all year in conference play.
1: This is the matchup I'm looking forward to the most all weekend long that we're previewing right now, and I'm excited yeah. to look at this one. This is I'm by far the most intrigued to be able to see what happens in this game because UMSL is so good defensively, they suffocate you, but Southwest Baptist, they're like surgeons out there. They'll break you down. So who is going to win on that end of the floor is what I'm most concerned about. UMSL is tough, and Southwest Baptist is tough as well, but can the Bearcats be tough in a tough place to play? At UMSL, it's going to come down to, I think, if the Bearcats are going to be able to score against UMSL because I think that UMSL has enough size inside to be able to have a little bit of an advantage against Southwest Baptist, but we've got to recognize that they're so good on the glass, but at UMSL, a tough task, and again, I'm just really high on an UMSL team, but I'm also really intrigued about the way Southwest Baptist has played as of late, and this is the matchup of the week that I'm looking forward to to see the most.
0: And then our final game from that Saturday, Slate Rockhurst, travels to McKendry to take on the Bearcats. The Bearcats had their Thursday game postponed and have not since um set a date for a makeup. But for McKendry, this is a team that, you know, they were playing some really great basketball for a while there. They take the loss against Truman State, but a team that, you know, again, we talked about it, they've shown a really high ceiling and, you know, you almost feel like you're drawing a Rockhurst team at the wrong time playing some great ball right now.
1: Yeah, Rockhurst has played extremely well as of late. I like the way McKendry has played, though. They're impressive. I I, I, I still like what you bring up about McKendry has guys that you cannot leave open on the wing. I know, again, we are both that. You saw how McKendry was so efficient from the field against Quincy. And I think that McKendry has shown that. If they can slow things down, limit the possessions, and not let Rockhurst get to the ball, get to some of their leading players. Like, for example, our, he's known to take the three pointer at such a high rate. Can McKendree recognize that? Can McKendree run him off the three point line? And can McKendree at home give it to Bryce Boltman? Because he's a guy who's just been so good all year long. And whenever we talk about McKendree, we have to talk about Boltman. But I think this is also going to come down to does McKendree have an answer for Nick Vols? And if I think they do, I think that McKendree can win this game. But I really do think this is an extremely tough task for McKendree just because of some of the size that Rockers has, but also the way. These two teams have been playing. I think this is one of the more intriguing matchups of the weekend as well.
0: Yeah, it is almost kind of sneaky, intriguing in that way. And you you call out some of those names for rockers. They get a lot of their damage done from the three-point line. McKendry as a team, second in the GLVC in three-point percentage defense, under 30% from beyond the arc for their opponents. So that might be a a big matchup to watch for in that one on Saturday. Again, run through those Saturday games real quick for you. Truman State at Uwindy, Quincy at Lewis, William Jewell at Southern Indiana, Drury at Lindenwood, Missouri S&T at Maryville, Southwest Baptist at Umsel and then Rockhurst at McKendree. So, you know, a, a big week upcoming, and of course a lot up in the air with some of this weather right now, and it just seems like we've had as many wrenches as you can possibly have thrown into this conference schedule, but a lot to look forward to and things starting to shape up as we, as we get to the kind of the home stretch of the conference
1: season. Yes, there's some great things that I'm looking forward to this week. And really, once we get through this week, you've only got a couple weeks left. Like like you said, the home stretch. Who's going to play the best basketball at the end of the year? That is the ultimate question to see who's going to be in the best position to make a run in the postseason.
0: So for my partner, Will Connerly, I'm Colin Surrey. Inside the GLVC.